You're listening to the Vermont Awana Podcast. And now, here's your host, rolling it up nice and tight, Eli Harrington. All right, all right. Pumped to be back. Episode 3 of Vermont Awana Podcast. Elevate the state, y'all. Shout out to my friend John the Sauce Man Saucier, the biggest voice in radio, coming at you from New York City, a fellow Brandeis University alumnus, and a great friend who shared uh, a couple custom intros for us. Sauce Man, why don't you hit me with one more drop? Put your grinders down and turn your radio up. This is the Vermont Juana Podcast. Elevate the state. Aw, oh, yeah. Elevate the state. Now, you guys probably hear some new tunes in the background. That's a custom track from our buddy Emart. He's a talented local musician, a great friend, and he made this little track called VT Wanna Feel You, just for us. So thanks again to Emart, and thanks to the sauce, man. Pumped to be back here for episode three. Apologize for the long delay, but guess what? We're going to be coming back at you more and more frequently, ideally get ourselves down to weekly. You want to help make that happen? You want to get all the information and elevate the state together? Head over to HeddyVermont.com and check out our merch. Our super talented publisher and uh, my partner in this Hedy Vermont endeavor, Monica Donovan's got some awesome shirts she's designed up there. The Smoke Local Vermont shirt, super hot. You guys might have seen that out at the Brewfest this weekend. Also, the Keep Vermont Green shirt. Uh, we're going to be adding more and getting to some physical locations soon. But head over and support the cause. Check out HeddyVermont.com slash merch. So today on episode three, we have an interview with uh, a couple of individuals, a couple of Vermonters who are both patients, longtime advocates, including Mr. Fran Janik. Very outspoken guy. You've probably seen or heard him around if you've been following the news. He is one of the core members of Vermont Homegrown. Um, he has been very active as a patient um, and also as a grower. He grows for himself. He brought along and introduced me to a wonderful woman by the name of Marianne, who is herself somebody with a great medical background, also an extensive cannabis background. She's somebody who used exclusively cannabis oil to treat her breast cancer after watching her sister uh, struggle and eventually lose that battle with cancer. So, you know, they bring up some really interesting points that we're going to get into. I mentioned earlier Brandeis University, my alma mater. We're going to talk a little bit about supply and demand. Um, you know, you don't need to be an economics major to understand basically how supply and demand work. And in Vermont, it's one of the biggest issues with, uh, with medical program on all sides. Uh, we will be adding thousands of new patients, hopefully with chronic pain being allowed. But as of right now, there are still only four dispensaries. Those four dispensaries are also restricted by the amount they can grow um, and what they can do. So you're going to hear a patient perspective with some people who are home growers, who are home cultivators, who talk a lot about the challenges that a lot of patients in Vermont face. You have to remember that medical marijuana is not covered by insurance. So these are folks who are getting medicines that help them function in their day-to-day -day life, but have to do it out of pocket. So you're going to talk to some folks and hear from some folks who have done more than most, if not uh, probably 95 to 99% of the people in the state to actually directly support patients, helping to share information, helping to share resources. Um, and you're going to hear a little bit about what they go through and that struggle and, and where they think the system could be improved. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Fran Janik and Marianne, two Vermont patients. On the registry, correct? Yes, and I'm also a dually, I was a dually certified nurse practitioner in adult critical care medicine and in oncology. Okay. And she's, and she's a 
um, cancer survivor uh, who used cannabis oil to only 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 cannabis oil. So had you? Started- oh yeah, yeah. I had inflammatory breast cancer, which killed my sister. Wow, I'm very sorry to hear that. I have a, a parent who's a breast cancer survivor after a mastectomy. And I'm also getting my, I have to finish my PhD yeah. in ethnobotany. So there's a little bit of a background. I wanted to jump back in because I spoke with these guys for over an hour. Um, really great conversation and really appreciate their time. Fran and Marianne, thank you guys both again. So again, you know, I mean, I think people have to understand that the Vermont medical patient community is pretty tight-knit, and it's very grassroots, and a lot of it are people helping each other out. Um, there is a limit of 56 grams you can purchase. That's two ounces per month. That's not enough for some patients, and some patients go seek it out on the gray market. Now, Fran and Marianne aren't necessarily in that business, and that's not what this is about. This is about the fact that due to the supply and demand, Um, the price of a lot of this, especially the cannabis extracts, some stuff there, if you want to look up Rick Simpson oil, if you're not familiar, or Phoenix Tears, uh, there's extracts called CCO, but extracts basically take a lot of plant material to create a very concentrated product, product which is most often used by uh, the most sick and ill among us. So you have an issue where patients in Vermont, who again are paying, you know, out the ass for their medical expenses anyways want to access these cannabis treatments, but they're expensive. Now, I'm not here personally to rag on the dispensaries. That's not the point of this this episode. There are, there are supply and demand challenges, right? Um, and I look forward to talking with them more about that in the future. But the fact is, it costs four times as much to get Rick Simpson oil in some Vermont dispensaries than it does in Maine. Now, a lot of this, again, supply and demand. Um, We need more patients, we need more people growing, we need more people allowed to grow for themselves um, and ideally make their own, uh, as Fran has done and as others in the state and folks who have left the state have done, who you'll hear reference. But I think that's really what comes down to the heart of this and a big reason why homegirl advocates and a lot of Vermont patients want to see the, um, the capacity expanded. In Maine, for example, if you're a patient, you can grow for another patient. Not only can you grow, you can grow up for up to five patients. So again, when you start to have a little bit more scale um, and people are able to produce things in a decentralized way, you end up with a lot more savings for uh, the consumers. And again, in this case, we're talking about sick, ill people for whom medical cannabis and and a lot of these extracts, which are intensive and take a lot of product and plant to make, um, are paying a lot. In fact, you'll hear a little bit of a, a napkin math, but... On average, Rick Simpson oil, when people are taking this as a, can- as a, as a cancer treatment, and I'm not giving medical advice, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, but uh, people are taking this in 60 grams over the course of 90 days. So for context, when you're talking about paying $120 a gram times 60, gets out calculator, we're talking about 20 times 60, we're talking about $7,200 out of pocket. So now there's a little bit more context. Let's get back into the conversation. The whole system is set up to the bias of the dispensary right now that is not able to serve the patients that it already has. And since we've just basically incrementally expanded the uh, uh, patients, uh, they will even have, they'll they'll have a harder time with just the glaucoma patients that are coming in and the other people that are going to come in off the opioids, which is, of course, a great thing. But if they opened up the patients, 
and allowed uh, the, 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 the conditions and allowed the medical professionals to do their job, then uh, the dispensaries wouldn't be able to handle anywhere close to what, what the volume would be. They're swamped already. And, and so, I get phone calls right and left. Yeah, we've got people asking us for help, and we don't have any way to help them. And, you know, we send them to Maine. Or, or if they can get a contact in California or Oregon. There is a, actually, uh, right now, Eli, there's a thing online um, that they will send you oil. It's, it's $60 a gram. Yeah. And it's called Marijuana to Go. And they will ship it to you if discreetly mm-hmm. from out of state. But wow. this is what this is what people are faced with if they've got it if they've got this situation. Again, I just advised uh, a patient a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I told him to uh, sign sign up at least with VPA because at the time CBD didn't have any oil, and at the cost that they're putting it out at at sixty dollars a half gram now, that's one hundred twenty dollars a gram. You can go to Maine, you can buy your oil, stay for the weekend have a couple of nice seafood dinners and come home and you still save money. Even just to, to start right to start right there, the you know, the RSOs and these oils that patients are being are being um, treated with, they take a lot they take a lot to make. They're uh, they're difficult to make and when they're taking doses, I've seen them and I'll I'll include a picture there, they're syringes. So, you know, maybe you can just talk about what is the ratio that people how much plant does it take to make one dose of this and you right. know, what is one dose? Well, the, the, you know, if you take, well, let's just go with an ounce of plant material. So we're going to go with approximately 30 grams because 28, 30 grams is approximately what you need. You're going to get uh, uh, five to six, five, four to five, I was going to say grams of oil, but you could go four to six grams of oil depending on the quality. The, yeah, the quality. Mm-hmm. Of, but we're talking all about, we're not talking about uh, trim and, and uh, sticks and leaves. That's not there. This is all bud, and it's ground down uh, and dried out and then processed, and that, that so that's what you get approximately. Okay. In a, in, so it's in a, a, yeah. So it's a six, so it's a six to one kind of ratio as far as grams of you know dried flour. Because you're going to have a range because yeah. it depends on the quality of your substrate. Right. You right. know, but the point of the matter is, is you you know you're basically going to have a quite but in terms of dosing, what you do is this stuff will kick your butt, okay? It just will. But going, let me just stop for oh, a second okay. and, and go, go back to the fact that it's not available here. It's really what you want to talk about here, Eli, and, and that the state has actually gone to quietly giving patients over to other patients to help make this, and the fact that, that uh, for several years um, there have been patients down here uh, in southern Vermont, I know, who have been sharing this for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular individual I'm talking about has moved to Maine to do to be a caretaker legally now, So he, and he's put his plants in the ground. But, we're, you know, this is, this is a situation where you're not getting the medicine out because of the limited dispensaries, because of the dispensaries not getting on board with this quickly. Uh, I, uh, my, myself, Marianne, and uh, uh, our friend Brian, who moved to Maine, uh, were part of a group that taught the uh, grower at VPA how to make the oil. You know, so yeah. they're, they're, by restricting it, they almost restricted it with S241 right. uh, in, in, the, in the Frankenstein version. <laughs> and, and 
the that would have that would have made it even worse. And you can see that in the sixty dollar per half gram price that Chainlin is charging for something that is thirty dollars or forty dollars a gram, even at VPA it's forty dollars a gram. Yeah, so you're saying so at the so it's v, at VPA that's the dispensary in Montpelier. They're charging forty dollars for a gram of well on their on their email which I get mm-hmm. of their menu, okay, which CBD doesn't hand out. Um, they they say forty dollars and I believe it is per gram. You can confirm that, but I believe it is per gram on there. It doesn't say per gram, but again, the cost of these things and the lack of availability. When I got a cancer patient that needs it now, they can't wait six, six months for it. So let's work backwards here. And again, this is not about you know shitting on dispensaries and calling them evil capitalists. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to look at the system that we have and how we can improve it and where the gaps are. And Fran brings up some really important ones. The first one that's related to, I think, a struggle for patients, 81% of patients in Vermont are signed up to a dispensary. Now, by law, when you register to a dispensary in Vermont, that is your dispensary. You can't go into one, check the prices, and then go into another one and decide, hey, this place has the Rick Simpson oil that I would like to use for cancer treatments. This place does not. More than likely, you signed up with a dispensary that was closest to you. Again, there are only four of them in the state of Vermont, and people drive from the NEK all the way down to you know Burlington and Brattleboro and Montpelier and everywhere in between. You go what's close to you, and you go to where you know people and you know other patients. But as a consumer, shouldn't you have that choice here in the United States of America? You know, not only to to purchase something that you want, but to purchase something that you need that's helping you with a medical treatment. You know, that's a statute that I think really needs to be changed. Part of the reason it works like that is that these dispensaries are so tightly regulated. Um, Their ability to grow is based on the amount of patients they have. Um, So, you know, they need to have, uh, I guess, a one-to-one. But this lack of choice is really a big issue, and it's one that comes down to scale. Uh, Again, so we need more dispensaries and we need patients who have the ability to choose between them. We need dispensaries who are able to grow more plants and then have the ability to make more of these products and extracts and offer them at cheaper rates. Again, this is economics 101 stuff here. And because of the system that we have, because it was set up under the regulation of the Department of Public Safety and we were so proud of how conservative and tightly regulated our system was, there are just numbers that don't match up here. And a lot of people who are sick, um, who are having some financial issues, who are unable to get the treatment that they need, and are left with a choice of you can go and, if you have the means, purchase a $375 to $425 ounce added Vermont dispensary, or you can go out to the uh, gray market, the underground market, and you can get an ounce for as cheap as $200. You know, the stuff coming in from out of state is so much cheaper, it's hard to compete making these concentrated products, these there's a science to it, there's skill to it, there's technique, you need to know what you're doing to be safe, but we're not talking about something that requires a lab. You know, we're talking about some of these products, they're being made with, with Everclear and a process of heating, cooling, and straining. You know, not, uh, not something that requires hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fancy equipment, things that Vermonters could be making for themselves, things that people have made for themselves and shared with other patients, but again, more, 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 more. The whole system is set up to the bias of the dispensary right now that is not able to serve the patients that it already has. And since we've just basically incrementally expanded 
the uh, uh, patients, uh, they will even have, they'll, ha they'll have a harder time with just the glaucoma patients that are coming in and the other people that are going to come in off the opioids, which is, of course, a great thing. But if they opened up the patients and, and allowed uh, the, 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 the conditions and allowed the medical professionals to do their job, then uh, the dispensaries wouldn't be able to handle anywhere close to what, what the volume would be. They're swamped already. And, and so, I get phone calls right and left. Yeah, we've got people asking us for help, and we don't have any way to help them. And, you know, we send them to Maine. Or, or if they can get a contact in California or Oregon. There is, there actually, uh, right now, Eli, there's a thing online um, that they will send you oil. It's, it's $60 a gram. Yeah. And it's called Marijuana to Go. And they will ship it to you if discreetly mm -hmm. from out of state. But wow. this is what this is what people are faced with if they've got it if they've got this situation. Again, I just advised uh, a patient a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I told him to uh, sign sign up at least with VPA because at the time CBD didn't have any oil, and at the cost that they're putting it out at at sixty dollars a half gram now, that's one hundred twenty dollars a gram. You can go to Maine, you can buy your oil, stay for the weekend. Have a couple of nice seafood dinners and come home and you still save money. So there you have it, folks. This is a real issue that patients in Vermont are facing. I've spoken with them personally. You know, these are not uh, these are not folks with just a bone to pick with the dispensaries or, you know, people who are bitter or sour. These are people who get calls from sick people and say, hey, you know how to do this. Can you help me do this? My only options are breaking the law or spending a lot of money, which I don't have. Now, can you maybe appreciate the position that these guys are in and why they're so passionate about this? Yeah, I mean, looking at it, it's, it's, it's four, it costs four times as much in Vermont as it does in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Rick's I mean, oil, which is used for treating cancer patients, some of the sickest among us. Yeah, I worked it out on the, um, I put it on the Vermont Homegrown page. I worked it out to $10,800 for the cost at CBD and 2700 I believe, in Maine, or 2800 Wow. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So wow. you, you, what we're looking at here is a monopoly forming. Still, we beat down S two four one. We killed our own bill to save, uh, to give you know, save people's rights. And we're, they're they're coming back, Eli. They haven't stopped. They put a hundred thousand dollars into this BTCC. That's why I said Will Rapp's gig is still rolling. His, <laughs> his you know, his his son wants a license. Believe me. And and you know, I sat in on those meetings in his in his uh, uh, boardroom there, and, and the investors were straight out about it. That's what they're doing. You know, they weren't couching, they weren't holding close to the vest. And and so we're looking at, again, uh, another assault on uh, home grow and, and people that, you know, if people could, could grow their own, then they could get the medicine they needed at a reasonable cost, okay? And, yeah, this is patients' rights and ACLU fodder. Well, you know, here's... Well, it seems it seems to me that even if even if people couldn't even if people could grow at home, <clears throat> even unlimited amounts, yeah. right, and and had the know how to do it, um, you know, the extraction itself, law enforcement's gone out of their way to look for for BHO, but you okay, know, what about what about politicians? Right, but you know, most politicians don't understand the distinction between any or all of this, and they're years away from having the education to appreciate the nuance. Eli, that's only because they refuse to have me in and talk to them. 
Or anybody who or knows anybody anything. Knowledgeable. They wouldn't listen to us. We offered multiple times through multiple channels. Okay? We straight out offered to give them a class or sit them down and show them the difference. And they won't listen to us. They're going to listen to Shane Lynn, whose people may or may not have all the knowledge they claim to have. They're, these guys are giving consultations to patients without going into their rooms. You take pictures. We can't go into your room, but you take some pictures and come up and see us, and we'll charge you $50 an hour. Okay? It's all a moneymaker up there, and it's all going in that direction. And these people have the investors. If you look at the the guy that's running series there, he's a former head of the Democratic Party and a friend of Shumlin's. Okay? And you, you you look at this whole thing, and I just think it's not helping patients. It's not going to, especially with the increase in, in patients that's going to happen over the next couple of years. Well, uh, here's so here's where I, I completely agree that there is not enough capacity to support patients currently. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for me personally, one thing I think that could happen is even if you change nothing within how the dispensaries are run, or who yeah. they're run under, but lifted the cap and allowed, you know, let's say five, let's say four more dispensaries in the state to open up and drive some of these prices down, start having, you know, some some expertise, more expertise, um, you know, more what people time? who are involved. You know, that seems to me like something that's that's a practical possibility. I mean, how do we how do we fix this? Well, okay, here's the problem. They're not hiring. I mean, Colin is the only guy with an MD, and he's got an automatic conflict of interest because he owns a pharmacy and or a dispensary, and he's also researching this. And I brought this up to UVM. There is a serious direct conflict of interest, which, you know, if you're a doctor and you own a surgery center and you refer patients to that, you have to disclose. They're not doing that. I'm not sure if they can expand the dispensaries without legislation. Yeah, and they they cannot they cannot presently. It's right right now. It's it is in the statute that there can only be four in the state. Right, right, and, and, and one of them and one of them is operating strictly against you know any kind of legislation that is in place that has been in place for years because I've gone after Colin about this through UVM. Um, conflict of interest. Well, in getting, the, getting down the conflict of interest and back to expanding the dispensaries, Eli, my, my um, idea simply is to allow patients to be caregivers like they do in Maine. Because uh -huh. so the, then you've got a bunch of small guys handling a couple of patients each. Okay? You're not going to handle hundreds of patients. But you've got all these growers that are here already. That right. are yes. either that are either patients or that are qualified to grow good cannabis, and they're going to they're going to grow a better product for the patient, and they're going to be able to customize to the patient's needs, and that is going to give two things. It's going to give patients that are already growing the expenses for their grow because right now I can't afford my electric bill, sir. Okay, I cannot. I'm behind on it multiple months. All right, and and so if I could have patients come in and pay me to grow for them, then I could afford the electric bill and I could actually take care of patients. Now, I've shared because patients are allowed to share for free mm -hmm. when I have it. And people have shared with me when I had none because we're allowed to in the bill, okay, in the law. But the, the point of the matter is to 
they they've isolated this thing and they've They've got big fees on these dispensaries, and they're used to taking the money, and the, the, the system is bringing in, what, close to a half million dollars the patients are putting into both the dispensaries and the, and the, and the fees and the government and the whole nine yards. And they, I assume they don't want to lose that funding for the department, okay? So that's why they protect the dispensaries. And, and one of the things that, to me, was unnecessary in the legislation in the period that we just went through was a need to protect the dispensaries. Okay. We need to be protected from them. Well, yeah, we do. We need to be protected from the from the, the, the monopoly and, and this whole thing that's going down right now because it's continuing to roll. And and so the, the home growers need to be able to license, be licensed, and if they want to be caregivers, then they need to test their product. That's no problem. Okay? And and that's that's fine, but like I said, we trained the first uh, grower to make oils at VPA, so it's not like they have all this great knowledge. And we gave all those varieties, or a good amount of varieties, uh, or as you, as they're called, strains, to the um, dispensaries, both Shanelin, CBD, Southern Vermont Wellness, and to uh, VPA over a number of years that they're now trying to sell back to patients. Now, as you can plainly hear, there's a lot of history there. Um, a lot of these home growers have been involved right from the beginning, working with the dispensaries and, you know, now have a very different opinion of them. But one thing you cannot argue is that the medical system in Vermont is a protected monopoly. By law, there are only four that are allowed to operate. Now, that's not done for any reason other than the changes had to be very incremental because the Department of Public Safety, a.k.a. the police, are the ones who oversee the Vermont Medical Marijuana Registry. That's something that a lot of people would like to see change. Um, and a lot of people will tell you that these things were arbitrary. The people who are in now, and again, Fran brings up a point that's true. One of the owners of Series PM, which is a management company that runs the uh, Champlain Valley Dispensary in Burlington and the Southern Vermont Dispensary in Brattleboro are run by Jake Perkinson, former chair of the Vermont Democratic Party. You know, so that part really doesn't pass the smell test in a small state where uh, folks in power tend to know each other. But again, this is not to say that the dispensaries are doing anything illegal or doing anything immoral. You know, this is not about their business and criticizing them, at least for me, um, as the host of Vermont Awana podcast. It's about kind of illuminating what the issues are and where these gaps are. And again, noting that the system is not set up to serve the patients that we have now. The system is not set up to serve the patients that we will have in the future. Uh, Shane, the executive director of CVD, told MJ Business Daily, they had conversations with Maine and think chronic pain could double or triple the number of patients in the state. So I want to cut back and talk to, to Fran and Marianne again and listen to Marianne, who, again, she's got some criticisms as somebody with a medical background and a cannabis background about how are the people at the dispensaries, who are your point of contact when you, the patient, go in to purchase this, how they're trained, but moreover, how the system is set up. You know, this isn't about individuals. This is about a very, very imperfect system and how we're going to make it better. So I want to talk to Marianne again, who shares a little bit more of her own personal story, fighting cancer, and then cut in with Fran as well, 
you know, and again, really sort of pick apart these issues. Yeah, maybe Marianne, you could just give a little bit of a little bit of background because as sure. somebody as somebody who was working as a nurse, how'd you make that decision to forego that treatment, and why'd you why'd you go with cannabis, and then you know the abbreviated. My sister how you died of it. this, mm-hmm. and right. I was growing for her. And I saw how much it helped her, and I saw what the chemo, which I knew what it was, did. Because I used to give it. So you're somebody who was in that medical setting, giving people chemotherapy. Meanwhile, you personally were helping your sister through her process using cannabis. Yeah. Separate timing. Separate Mm -hmm. timing. Right, right, right. Um, And, you know, I saw what they did to my sister. And the only relief she ever really got was when she was, you know, having a cannabis tea or something like that for her symptoms. And, you know, she started to itch like hell, but then, you know, it wasn't consistent enough for her, and she was really sick anyway. But the point of the matter is, is that, you know, you turn, you you dial up your dose, according to, you know, getting it up to a full grant so that you're operational. The first two weeks, you're you're just in la-la land, so you sleep a lot. And the timing of that it does make a difference. There's a whole field called chronopharmacology that talks about the best time of day to take something, the best time to do an intervention because of your body's own circadian rhythms and things like that. So you have to involve that. And and I'd like to know who is teaching these people who are selling a no-name product that you cannot go back and request. This one really worked for me. What was that? I don't know. It was the product of the month. Um, you have to know the name of what you're taking. You have to know what you're going to do, which is how to, you know, literally build yourself up and that takes a couple of weeks and that's a fast fast hard landing when you're doing it because you sleep most of the time and you have to make sure that you eat and drink and get up and do the stuff you need to do but the first two weeks are going to hammer the crap out of you they did me and um you know if you don't know what you're taking and you don't know how to move it up on a per day or a per week or per week basis, you're never going to get there. And are they qualified to show them to even how to fill a pill? Do well, they even do that? And that's and I think that's a that's a huge issue in the bigger conversation is how do people trust information? Right? Do you trust Do you trust whatever the doctor says? Whether the well, doctor the doctors has had, don't know. Right. You know, so All if they you're can somebody do is in the verify public, your condition, so they don't really even know either. So then you, you know, think that this is a possibility. 81% of patients in Vermont use a dispensary, right? So that is where your education is coming from, mostly. And they don't know jack. Actually, in the, in the first phases of it, we were really disturbed when um, even VPA was putting out this uh, pamphlet that had misinformation on it. It had bad information, and I mean, we went to Monique and Collins. Um, you know, I'm the fir- I'm the guy that took in the first plan in there with Mark Tucci. I carried it in front of the feds, and I gave the first cloning class there. And we've supported them all the way along. So I don't want you to think I'm anti-dispensary, 
but well, I am. Well, it, we're just what we're what we're saying is the system's not working. We're saying that it needs to be smaller, it, and it needs to be more spread out, and it and it, it needs to be patient centered. Yeah, even Mark said to me one time, Eli. He said, you know, he said I made a mistake giving two licenses to one company, and I'm not down on Chainlink specifically. I'm just down on the the business practices of the company as it as it happens. But he's the head of it, so that's where you know you have a chat about him. It's it's warehouse. It's a warehouse grow. If the whole thing goes down, then they have to start begging and borrowing and stealing whatever they can from each other. Well, no, they've worked it out now so they can sell to each other. That came in on uh, S14. Yeah, but we can't. No, but they can sell to each other, um, and so that that was probably put in so to alleviate the shortages from one on the other, or when they have a, a problem with the grow, which is not bad. But again, it doesn't increase. The, uh, quality or quantity. Quality or quantity, no. And it certainly doesn't increase the credibility of anybody behind the counter. Now listen, I will say it again. You heard Fran say it. Nobody's anti-dispensary. People are criticizing the system that exists. And people busted their ass to make this system a possibility. And they need to be thanked. Thank you, Mark Tucci. Thank you, Paco. Thank you to all the people who stood up. Thank you, Fran Stewart. You know, all the guys from down south, all the ladies, all the people who have testified, this didn't happen by accident. And you can see, you can hear the frustration in the voice of these guys. I mean, Fran, somebody who's been on this for over a decade, can you imagine being one of the first people to teach a cloning class to the dispensaries, and 10 years later, you're still figuring out how you can get involved? You know, none of these folks are greedy. They're not looking to, to become millionaires and billionaires. They'd like to not be criminals. They'd like to be able to take advantage of the skills they've learned and acquired and to be able to help people, guys. We're ultimately talking about making people feel better, providing them with a little bit of relief. You know, so in this next segment, I think they talk really, really illuminate sort of what the issues are and what small, you know, what people in Vermont are facing, what the Vermont, you know, grower, what the Vermont patient, um, you know, and what the Vermont decentralist is really facing and, and where the frustrations lie. I want to talk about, you know, okay. what the what the alternatives are within how we get people with the knowledge that you both have. I mean, here are two individuals who have decades of cultivation and, and you especially, Marianne, somebody who's treating sick people, has treated yourself, you know, going from seed to oil and who could be saving people money and, you know, saving people agony and pain and, you know, right. killing cancer is, cells. So how, point, how do Eli. we get you guys more more involved? I mean, is it organizing a home grow into an actual co-op that can legally legally do these things? Is it giving you a five-to-one, you know, caregiver-to-patient ratio like they have in Maine? Yeah. Well, personally, I don't want to be responsible for growing for anybody. I like making things because I like compounding. That's what I earned a doctorate essentially to do well see, in other words they should be they shouldn't be uh, limiting the licenses on who can make a full extraction or an rso and and so there should be oil licenses like there would have been in in s241 originally or grow licenses, or grow licenses. and this is the whole thing they've they've created this corporate thing that continues to churn up there in, in Burlington, and they're they're on the they're on their path towards victory or towards uh, toward, towards 
controlling the market and owning the market. Well, and meanwhile, and, and meanwhile, it could be something as simple as, you know, talk about the Vermont way, somebody who's a master grower driving down or up Route 30, delivering, yeah. you know, products safely to someone like Marianne, who's got a safe setup near her home, like a home yeah. brewer would have, yeah. making it safely, and then driving these little syringes of, you know, uh, of cannabis medicine to patients Well, it's laughable because you cut your weight down. Mm-hmm. So they can't really, like, come in and say you you have too much marijuana or cannabis hanging around because it's like, where is it? Right. Well, I mean, we, if, if, if you go by the law, guys, final product, in other words, what is the final product? So they could say, okay, you've got a lot of cannabis here, and you, you, but when you take it down to the oil, then you're within your weight. But the whole thing is ridiculous anyway, Eli. It's so restrictive. Um, it's forcing people to grow indoors when they can't afford to. Uh, and so we're basically leaving, uh, what we need, we need to do is open it up so that somebody small like myself wants to help somebody to make oils or grow and make oils for somebody can and get a small business going. Marianne, who wants to make the oils and give consultations can do that. Okay. Obviously having more experience than most of these people that are in the, in the dispensaries that are $15 an hour employees who are not even allowed to spend enough time with a patient, I understand, who's having an emotional breakdown because they have cancer. So it's, 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 the whole thing is not functioning. It really, um, the only way we can change it is to educate the legislatures, legislatures, legislators to the fact that they are actually causing problems. Killing people. Yeah. Bottom line is, is causing uh, pain, uh, and suffering and and eventually, you know, uh, loss of life. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because you can't, I, I cannot, I am, I am just an anecdotal case, you know, and uh, uh, what people don't understand about the clinical trial aspect of this is, is it's never going to get going here, so you have to go to the Israeli literature to really pick up on any of it. I've had multiple people just leave the state, Eli, so you know, the rest of us that are here, um, the ones that can leave are leaving. Uh, going to Colorado to be a patient, going to Maine to be a grower and a, and a caregiver, and legally being able to do so, and happy as a pig and you know what. It just, you know, the guy is ecstatic now that he can do it legally uh, and charge for it before he was giving it away, um, growing and giving it away. Yeah. And, you know, these, these are people that were helping uh, the governor's father that was helping uh, a good friend of another senator, and, and, uh, these people are now without their medicines. Those 10 or 12 people that he was helping in this state are now going without their cancer meds because he couldn't do it here legally. So you, you just, that's the bottom line. Again, we're not providing the medicine to the patients. And they, or the information they need to make the jump and, and every time, And every time a legislator goes to one of these dispensaries, they say, oh, it's so clean, you know? And I'm like, great. So is my house. Right. And, and, I mean, that's what uh, Joe Benning said up in St. Johnsbury one time. I just, you know, oh, yeah, I went on a dispensary tour. You guys should take it. And, you know, we're sitting there going, sorry, we're not allowed to take that tour. Yeah, it's not Ben yeah. and Jerry. Right. And and so that's the whole thing is is we've got to make it clear and open up that we need to open this program up to make it successful for every patient in the state. We, that's why I went for legalization. That's why I spent the last year working hard on it because – that would allow people to have those two plants and to medicate. And maybe their condition wasn't allowed on our very limited list that doctors are not happy with. 
So, or that they refuse to sign out of sheer... Right. They don't mm-hmm. understand it or they don't want to because they're afraid for their federal license. And again, they're not even allowed to look on a computer at this information. My own MD, who's one of the doctors on the three-person committee that decides for people who can't get their doctors to sign once they get refused by the catch-22 in the system, um, is couldn't look on a computer. I have to print it out for him. He's not allowed to at work. Wow. You know? So you, 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 this is where we're at. I mean, they're, they're all, we're hunky-dory. We're taking care of patients, and everything's going groovy. And um, no. No, I, I, I have to object, and I'm fine. I'm going to get my meds. I'm growing Me too. Yeah, and if I have a failure, I lose out, and I go without meds because I can't go to a dispensary at that point and pick up an ounce if I have the money to do so. Or, but $420 an ounce, I can't afford it. Or the, 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 the main thing here is, again, we're not... We're, we're so afraid that we have the, the, the uh, what do I call the... Uh, uh, the pot No, the cardinal sweater-wearing ladies. We're so afraid of cannabis because of the lies of the last 75 years. All we can do is educate one legislator at a time. So if we educate people this time around, Eli, that's when we get to that point where they understand it better, then they fear it less, and we can open this up. But but if they listen to um, the people that have the lobbyists, which are the dispensaries and are the, the VTCC, and the well wrapped. Yeah, the, that's the VTCC people and the people that have the backers, that have the big money backers. Then all we're going to get is a low quality. It's not going to be a. It's not going to be a heady topper. It's going to be a Budweiser, uh, state sponsored, sanctioned uh, uh, sale. Wow. All right, guys. So episode three in the books. Thank you for tuning in. And sorry again about the huge layoff, but. Guess what? We're going to be coming back with more and more regular features. But before we sign off for the day, I really want to thank again, you know, Fran Janik and uh, and Marianne sharing all this information and education. These are people who want to be empowered. Let's give them the chance to get involved. Let's learn from them. Let's bring them more into the fold. Let's not just make this an inside baseball kind of thing. I think uh, most people know when it comes to cannabis, there's a lot more knowledge out in the hills than there are underneath the Golden Dome in Montpelier. So, really, I appreciate them for, for speaking with me, you know, for sharing their, uh, their thoughts, um, for sharing some suggestions and kind of getting to the heart of the issue, representing the viewpoint of a lot of Vermont patients and, uh, and a lot of Vermont, you know, growers. This isn't everybody. These are two individuals with their own individual beliefs, and I really just appreciate them sharing the time and and hope that we can make something uh, make something happen out of this guys i mean you know elevate the state isn't just an awesome tagline it is an awesome tagline but it's not just an awesome tagline it's a philosophy and i really think that as vermonters we're better than this uh that we can get to a better reality a better paradigm and this is how we're going to do it by educating each other by sharing information by connecting um so please Go online, rate the podcast. We're on iTunes. You can subscribe if you're not already. Give us a good rating. Share it with your friends. Tell somebody else to subscribe. Um, and then go visit Hetty Vermont under the merch tab and buy a shirt. And support the squad. Guys, thank you again for tuning in and to the ladies out there for tuning in as well. We're going to take you off with a little bit of the VT Wanna Feel You track by the homeboy uh, Emart. Thank you again to him and our special voiceover guest, John the Sauce Man Saucier. This is the Vermont to Wanna Podcast with Eli Harrington.